Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up? And on tonight's episode, we're recording immediately after the Cavaliers game because we're, is it, is it masochist, I think is the correct word? Um, I don't know. But joining us tonight is a Posting and Toasting contributor, and I think the person we hate the most in Slack, Schwinn, is that fair to say? Is he like the most hated person in Slack? Uh, okay, or is it or is it whack than him? It's it's close. Prez is definitely the most annoying person. Yeah, def- definitely the most annoying. With like actual basketball takes. Oh yeah, is, like most yeah. overall annoying. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, Prez. Well, that's that's who we have on. So welcome, Prez, our most annoying basketball take giver. How's it going tonight? I'm good. You're welcome for my takes, you cowards. No, you're just the worst. You literally have the worst basketball opinions out of anyone that's ever been a part of posting and hosting. Uh, Prez just takes, like, he takes, like, the most negative thing he's right about and then only <laughs> focuses on that. And it's like, see, I told you this guy sucks because he can't do this thing. And that makes him irredeemably bad. <laughs> but Kevin Porter Jr. is fucking awesome, guys. Trust me. My Kevin, Porter Jr., my Kevin Porter Jr. love is mostly tongue-in-cheek. I just will stand for any dude who has handles. Is fucking garbage? Yeah. Which is I why know. I like DSJ as well. You don't even like him. You only yeah, shit what are you talking him. about? No, you don't. You don't even like him. You guys think I don't like him because no, I, I point I, out no, no. all the flaws? I wanted like to him. pick him, and he's still... Just because I predicted accurately that he would be out of the rotation is not an indictment of how I feel about him. I still like most of his skill set. He just doesn't have handles. So you like players that you actively actively are like, wow, he's going to suck so bad he's not even going to be in the Knicks card rotation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want him on the Knicks. I'm still a fan of him, though. You are fucking... You need to go. Get the fuck out of here. Jesus Christ. Why do we even have you on sometimes, I swear? Especially because it's your second time on the show, too, so... Oh, man. All right. Well, why don't we just get into tonight's game off the bat. Um, the Knicks lost to the Cavaliers. It was a ridiculous game. I stopped watching with five minutes to go, and I literally was just laying on my sofa ready to fall asleep. But uh, but I wanted to turn this game off. I would say, what, first quarter, second quarter? It was just a waste of a night. And the Knicks just didn't care. They didn't try. They don't. They don't set screens. They don't fight over. Oh, my God. No. Get the fuck out of here with this. They didn't care. They didn't try. Yeah. yeah, That is not. Fuck that. I'm so sick. Fuck that. Agreed. Okay. All right. I had to hear Clyde and Breen cry about the effort for four quarters. It's like, no, it's not the effort. Because you know what? The Cavs scored 108 points. Okay. You know what? You know what effort usually entails? It usually entails, like, the other team scoring 135, 140 and you getting lit up and just, like, losing by 40 points. That is not what happened in this game. What happened in this game is that the entire – it's, like, there's not even a lack of structure. There actually is structure in the Knicks offense. The fact is the structure of the Knicks offense is so shit, and it's so shit that every team knows exactly what they're going to do, and they can't score points. And that is all that happened in this game. It had nothing to do with fucking effort and will – and you know, uh, winning like it had nothing, nothing to do with any of that. Because if they, if that was the like, this is what. Look at this, okay? Cavs scored thirty-one in the in the first, twenty-three in the second, twenty-four in the third. Okay, then they scored thirty in the fourth. But like, then they actually did give up at the end, which was fine because the game was over. So I didn't really give a shit at that point. But 
it was not about will or any any of this nonsense of like they didn't care tonight or any of this bullshit Clyde and Breen were saying. Because you know why they say that? Because they're MSG employees and they can't really get up there and be like, oh, well, you know. I mean, Clyde, I don't even know if he knows what's going on half the time anymore. But like, I don't Breen, think Breen does either. Well, I don't Breen, think but, I don't think either of them understand like on a basketball level what like for example what's wrong with the things that Julius Randle does. I think legitimately. Like, if you could magically give them a truth serum and just be like, Breen, how did Julius play? And he would be like, oh, he had 20 and 16 and tried to bring the Knicks back with some physicality, and he had a solid game, but it wasn't enough. I think that's what he would actually say. Like, like what, what is beyond insane to me is, like, Clyde is so close to Pete. He's, like, identified the problem but actually doesn't realize it. Because every game he's like, man, only one of Randall and Morris has a good night at one time. They never have. Two together, and I'm like, you're so close, Clyde. You're really close to figuring out what the issue is here. And it's like, but, like, that's, these are the problems. These are the problems. Like, if you play guys that clearly cannot, if you keep banging your head against the wall with guys that cannot play well together, especially not in the way you're trying to use them, okay, that's a problem. If nobody on the team can set a fucking screen and make contact on the fucking screen other than Taj, who decided to move on every fucking screen today. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. That's a fucking problem. And they like, were it's so funny. Like, it's funny. We can laugh. But, like, it's actually not funny because that is, that is like, the you watch this entire game. I'm not even joking. I, I don't care. Colin Sexton had 31 points. Watch how many of those points he got because they set a good screen that either got him a clear step or two going downhill or got him a switch onto a shitty defender on a big that, like, he can just abuse. Look at how many times that happened in this game. How like, The entire game was screening. That was the entire difference of the game. Because our guys won't make fucking contact on a screen. Julius Randle, this guy fucking lifts, like, 6,000 pounds of metal chains and takes IG photos of it and fucking looks all... Ju- he won't touch anybody on a screen. The only time he'll touch anybody is when he drives into four fucking guys. That's it. That's the only time he'll touch anybody. Oh, I, I, I got the ball on a fast break, but, like, it's not really a fast break because I'm dribbling the ball up, so I'm going to, like, really slowly, like, bring the ball up and then do 16 spin moves into 14 different guys and then fumble the ball away and then not run back on defense and, like, look at the ref like he killed my puppy. And uh, one, important, one important thing I'll point out is he the Dallas game was great, but he did the same shit for three quarters in the Dallas game, and we won it in spite of it. So yeah. this isn't, like, this is even in the good game. Yeah, <laughs> like, and, like, and, like, my last thing that I just want to hammer on just shitty coaching is <laughs> the beginning of this game. The beginning of this game, if you go back and watch it, like, I don't care what Randall's box score is because he he was, like, it's so obvious. It was so obvious at the start of the game that they were, like, Julius Randall sucks at any screen defense. He, like, he sucks at it and we're just going to attack him. And that is all they did at the start of the game. Every single time they put him in an action. They put him in screen and roll. They put him in a dribble handoff. They put him in any 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 kind of possession where he has to make a decision on the ball that involves the ball handler or the screen center. And he failed every single one. Every single one he failed. Um like that that to me, like that is coaching, right? That's what you Oh, okay, this guy sucked at something. Let me attack it. What did we do? Colin Sexton wants to die on screens. I promise you he wants to die on screens. Darius Garland has played six minutes of actual basketball in his life. Okay? Like, 
these are like at the you if you you're not even making them work. You did not even make them work. And yeah, you can blame Frank and RJ because they didn't just come down and call out a play for themselves or just decide fuck it, like I'm gonna go. But like you're the coach, man. You actually can call a timeout and be like, yo, this is what we're running here. Like we're running a high pick and roll for you, Frank, right here. Spread pick and roll. RJ. We're running a side pick and roll for you right here, right now. This is your play. You can even, you know, you don't even need to call a timeout for that. That's why they have set plays. It's a very cool thing. The coach can stand on the sideline and tell his players exactly what play to run. Um, it's often, often coaches do this with young teams, with young guards. That's what I've heard. Um, like, you can do this stuff. And instead, like, I, I, I can't even get this out of my mind. The first, the first offensive set we ran to start the second half. Do you know what it was? Yeah, it was like some Morris play. It was, it, was a, it was a designed post-up for, for Marcus, Marcus Morris. Literally, this is what happened. Frank came down, threw the ball to Todd at the top of the key. He swung it to Randall at, on the wing, and then he threw a post-entry to Marcus Morris. That was the first play of the second half. Like, clearly that's a scripted play. So, like, if that's really – if that's your halftime adjustment – Whatever, like, uh, I, I don't know. I cannot, I can't even get into players at this point because I just think that that was such a clear example of a game that, like, you never had a chance at winning because your coach was just, I mean, talent for talent, like, sure. I actually think the Cavs probably have a bit more just because Kevin Love is, like, clearly the best player on both teams. Um, but, I mean, on, on the, like, a- aggregate, like, I mean, would you say that, they're that much more talented at all. If like it's not twenty one points, I'll tell you, I can tell you that much. Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't twenty one points, especially when the Knicks beat the Mavericks. You know, just a couple days ago, and they're definitely a much more talented team. We're definitely seeing a pattern from last year to this year where I think it's safer to start blaming the coach because I know a lot of things that when we probably went back and forth on so many different times was. Um, with, especially with last year, like, Frank needs to take control of the offense and start calling his own plays or, or whatever, like, something along those lines. And I definitely think him and Barrett do need to do that to an extent. But we're seeing the same sort of actions that were done last year with, the, like, the Knicks point guards and everything and what they're doing right now with their guards. So it does seem to see a pattern of, like, this is the type of offense Fisdale does want to run. He does seem like he wants to take the ball out of the guard's hand and do these sort of, these, um, pretty much just, like, you know, double screens on the side, like a flare screen. That's pretty much the only type of action he wants to do, and he just wants to run triple handoffs. So he doesn't actually want to set screen and rolls, and it's, I don't think it's conducive for this team, and I think it's just, like, it's actively preventing them from being competitive in games. I think that's the worst part about their 2-8 and eight start, is that they're not even competitive in a lot of, like, some of these games right now. It's just... Uh, you know what the... He doesn't adjust for for anything. It's no, just been the same thing for ten games. And I'll give you an example. You mentioned the um the the double and triple handoffs and all that shit. You're seeing teams in the last few games overplay those because they know that the Knicks don't have counters yep. and won't backdoor and won't backdoor cut or anything like that, except like maybe once or twice a game. And even though we have a young team that probably shouldn't be running those that many handoffs for that reason, they're going to keep running them shits. And cool. just like they're going to keep letting Julius go off the dribble from the top of the three-point line and 
just like they're going to not run pick and rolls with their two very good pick and roll ball handlers. Well, it's not like, just Julius Randle like at the top of the key. Like I definitely get that it's totally frustrating, but it's also playing Bobby Portis 28 minutes and he's taking 10 shots. What was that about? Like I mean, I'm not even I'm not even <laughs> as anti-Portis as you guys, but like I mean, what no, the I'm fuck definitely, was that about? Tonight? I definitely I think I'm more anti-Portis than anyone else, but there's this like he did this last game two against the uh, the Mavericks, he just he comes in and he starts chucking. There were a number of times he was posting up and he clearly had an, a pass back out to like the perimeter, whether it was like Frank or someone else, and he just doesn't kick it out. He'd just rather take the shot and it's always a bad shot. Just, he needs to kick it back out and either for a, for a three-pointer or reset the play. Just He's been really bad. Um, he only had one good game and that was against the um, the Bulls. Bulls. Yeah. That was, like, pretty much it. Like, he can't play defense, and he gets in, and he starts chucking right away, and he's just, he's been very inefficient. It's just, he... Look, here, here's the thing, like, 10, 10 shots in 29 minutes isn't even chucking, right? Like, I'm not defending, I'm not defending him. What I'm saying is, like, like, it's not even really chucking. The biggest problem I have is that, like, it's the shots that he's taking. Because, like, in that Bulls game, it was, like, mostly, yeah, obviously he shot well, so that always helps the fact that you're, like, you got it going, so you're just going to take, like, like as soon as, if you have a, a quick open shot, you're going to take it, right? It automatically makes it look better. But, like, today, there were a couple of plays in the second quarter. Yeah, second quarter. Frank ran a, a pick and pop with him. You know, imagine that. A dribble handoff, pick and pop, top of the key kind of thing. Then he swung it back to Portis. Portis is wide. He's wide open. Okay. You signed this guy. Right, we were. T- you signed this guy because he can shoot. He can kind of shoot. He's fucking wide open. Nobody's even close to him. He doesn't even look at the hoop. He does does not even look at the hoop. He is immediately ready to swing the ball and run another fucking stupid dribble handoff with, I think Marcus Morris or somebody, whoever the fuck. Okay, like this is like, what are we coaching here? What what are you coaching? Are are you either you're telling him. Like, either the players to run, like, that's what you want to do, or you, like, are just not telling him anything and he's doing that involuntarily. Like, I don't know what's worse, really. Um, I, I, I just can't get over, like, how un, unprepared, like, just totally unprepared throughout this game we were. It was, it was just like, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, like, Colin Sexton might shoot a lot. Like, yeah, dude, that's what Colin Sexton does. So, like, be aware. Like, that's cool. Like, just be aware of that. And, like, Garland didn't, like, I don't know. I, he had 12 points and six assists, apparently. I don't really remember any of that shit. Um, yeah, it was definitely a very, like, unmemorable 12 he was, and six. He, was, he was giving a lot when the game was, like, out of hand in, like, the end of the third and the fourth, too. Okay, yeah, so, whatever. He fucking did some shit. Um, like, e- either way, like, it's just like you can't explain to me why, why like just the way that we're approaching offense makes no sense to me. Like we are, the entire point should be like okay. I've said this so many fucking times, but like the entire point should be which vets fit around the young guys, complement them. It should not be like we have to run the offense for Julius Randle and Marcus Morris, and so you guys got to figure out how to fit in off that. That's the dumbest way to go about it. And it's like, I guarantee if you do the reverse, 
you would be a better team. I am a thousand percent sure of it. Because what would you do? You would put in more shooting all the time. You would probably put Marcus, you'd probably put Randall on the bench where he would kill second units. Like, you would be a better team just because of that. Even if you kept Randall in the starting lineup and literally was like, all right, he's our best player. Let's run the play types that he's the best at. Even that small step would <laughs> go a long fucking way. <laughs> so, like, so, like, ISOs? Yeah, ISOs. Also, like, is there a wor- is there a worse go-to shot than his, like, bowling ball falling over, Stay like, away? seven-footer? It makes me have a new appreciation for Moutier, who is actually, like, not awful at that shot. Compared That's to just, like, Moutier is good at that stuff. Okay, that was his thing. I think Randall's actually pretty efficient on that shot, even though it is... Stop. Like, the, I'm, no, no I'm going to look at... You're Julius Randall truther, bro. You need well, to stop with this shit. I am, but you I also... Been, like, you have been so do you think, do you think he shoots over 40% from, like, 5 to 10 feet? <laughs> I'm going to look at the uh, numbers right now. That's cheating. You, know, you can't do that. He asked you a question. What do you think? What do I think? <laughs> He's definitely shooting more than that. I definitely think he is. Over 40% from 5 to 10 feet? Yeah. Okay. By the way, just the first play of the game, Frank set a screen. Like, so he threw the ball to Morris in the post, and then Frank set a screen for Randall, who was coming down, actually got separation. So Randall's like – and Morris actually hits him. Like, hits him – Pretty much, like, right at the rim. And for some reason, instead of going straight up, he has, he takes a fucking power dribble, which lets Tristan Thompson, like, come over and just, like, foul him before he gets a shot up. Like, I did, I just can't with this guy, man. Like, I don't... He is the dumbest player I've watched in a long time. I think... I Cantor was detrimental. I didn't think he was, like, flat-out dumb. You no, know, oh, I thought he was. No, I think... I think Cantor on offense was not dumb. He might have been stupid about, like, he was definitely stupid about defense. We know that. But, like, oh, yeah. he wasn't nearly as dumb as Randall on offense. Like, Cantor was dumb in the sense that, okay, he wouldn't see a double team coming and would, like, still try to take a stupid shot. Okay. He was incapable. Yeah, Julius Randall. Is dumb. Well, Randall yeah, yes. is shooting. Because Randall, Randall can actually, like, do, he could be, like, a very dynamic offensive player. But he's just so dumb. And then the worst part about that is we are, like, empowering that dumbness mm-hmm. by just being like, yeah, dude, like, ISO, like, we're running post, we're going to clear out the side for you, and, like, yo, this is your team. Like, you're the guy. What? <laughs> why? Why is that the – why is that – he should have been pulled within the first five minutes of this game and been, like, at a certain – like, and, like, Fizzle should be over there being like, you're not fucking doing this. You're not rotating. You're not switching. You're not covering for your man. Like, there are so many times that he's just space cadet on defense. Like, you're a big man. Help defense. Like, you, if you're not aware on help defense, then you need to sit. Because help defense is, like, your entire fucking job as a four or five man. Okay, well, Julius Randle is shooting... I already have the numbers pulled up. He's shooting... 54.5% on between shots 5 and 9 feet from the rim, and he's also shooting 55.6% on 10 through 14 feet from the rim. He is 7 for 11 on fadeaways, which makes him 63.6%. So he's taking, he's taking, no, I, I don't, I, I don't mean to, I, I don't doubt that he's shooting, though those percentage numbers are good and he's scorching hot, I guess, from mid-range, but he's taken for sure more than 11 fadeaways, which makes me question 
the classification because he takes several of those a game. All right, well, his fadeaway jump shot is 5 for 8, and it's 62.5%. Yeah, so I guess what you're, I guess we should just run that. No, what I'm saying is, is that maybe you should lay <laughs> off Julius Randle a little bit. No, I'm not going put to. On, going to. And put He's more, been fucking uh, terrible. Put it He's on Fizz, though. But it can well, be that's on, the problem. No, it can be on both of them, though. Like, yes, Fizz sucks. But he's not telling Julius Randle on one possession today. I can I could not believe this. He's posting up, right? He's he sees the double team. He literally saw the double team. He had two wide out shooters to kick it to in his direct line of sight. He looked at Kevin Knox at the top of the key. He looked at him, and then turned and tried to dribble the other way. Then he picked up his dribble, pivoted, and then turned it over because he traveled. Like I'm I'm sorry. Like that has yes. Fizz is putting him in a shitty position there. That does not excuse him being in that shitty position and then being like, yeah, fuck that open guy. I'm going to pivot here 18 feet from the hook for no fucking reason and, like, turn it over. No, you don't get a pass on that just because this sucks. You fucking suck, too. Like, nobody deserves a pass for bullshit like that. I'm sorry. Like, are we going to sit here and be like, Todd Gibson deserves a pass on shedding, on setting shitty screens because Fizdale sucks as a coach? No. Are we going to say, oh, Frank deserves a pass because... He just would refuse to even look at the hoop every time they went under a screen today. No, you got to fucking shoot that shot. You went four or five from three just the last game. Shoot the fucking ball, okay? I don't want to fucking, like, not every other game. You got to be able to be a threat every now and then. He doesn't you, can hijack, you can hijack the offense once a game, at least. He did it zero times today. If he hijacks the offense six times a game, Fizzell will probably, like, engrave in stone that he's the starting <laughs> point guard. He probably will. He'll be like, wow, I really respect, like, how Frank's being an alpha. Like, props. You know, like, that's that's fine. And I'm not, like, I'm not saying, obviously, these are things, the, but, like, yes, the fact that they're getting away with it, that is where it comes back to Fizz. And that's why it's ultimately his fault. And why, like, you know, after 10 games, I don't care how many new players he has. And it's not just 10 games. It's 92 games. Okay? It's 92 games. You, we don't get to just... I mean, right now we're on pace to have a worse record than last year, right? If I think so, yeah. I don't really... Uh, yeah, whatever. That's it's fine. close enough. It's fine. It's close enough. <laughs> like, what are we... Like, I just don't know. The identity of the team that he wants to build is so dumb. Like, I don't even well, know well, what it is. <laughs> well, that's why they held up... Like, I know in the press conference... So after the game, um, for people listening who turned off their shit show before it ended... Uh, Perry and Mills made the rare decision to come out and address the media, and they expressed confidence. The dreaded vote of confidence. Right, oh but, you, but, but you know what that means. You yeah. know what that means. <laughs> that means you got so 10 he, games, he, bro. This is the hot seat. That means he's officially on the hot seat, which, like, I know there's going to be a whole contingent of fucking annoying basketball Twitter people who are going to be like, oh, Knicks, they're going to be on their whatever coach in whatever, but, like, Yes, the Knicks have been awful at choosing coaches the last few coaches. Like, each of them has been flawed and horrible in their own unique, special way. And it's been shitty in different ways for, like, five years now. But this motherfucker is terrible. The only Nick who who is put in a position to succeed more in their tenure with Fizz, and this is only recent, is Knox. And that's literally just because he is not being used as, like, the number one fucking gun like he's Kobe Bryant. <laughs> like, that's, that has, like, massively upgraded his efficiency. 
by itself. So it's I'm not even like I'll give I'll give Fizz that one I guess, but like every single other player doesn't get to do what they're good at, which is insane to me. If you look at other shitty teams like the Nets of last year or the Cavs this year, like they fucking blow. But their guys are, for the most part, running the kind of shit that you want. Like, they're getting Colin Sexton downhill. They're letting Darius Garland Run snake around and get to his floater. Like, shit like that. Like, you know? And the Nets last year, they, they would fucking run. Or the year before, even, when they were really bad. Like, they would run and run and get a bunch of three-pointers because they had some shooters because that was literally the only thing they had. But, like, we don't do any of that shit. We don't put our people in a position to... Be just regular bad, and so instead they're super shitty. Yeah, it's... Is anybody on our team shooting better than they shot last year? So anybody that was in the NBA that signed with the Knicks? Or is anybody well, shooting better? I think it would only be Knox, I would say. Cause no, 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 no. Definitely... I'm talking about guys that came from other... So any of the free agents we signed. Are any mm. of them shooting better than they did last year? Maybe Marcus Morris. I can look it up right now, but Julius Randle is 100% not shooting as good as Bobby. Portis definitely before. isn't. Bobby is not. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm in D.C., so I got to see Bobby a little bit in on the Wizards when he would play the five for them and, and he was shooting and all that. And, like, they kept it very simple for him. And they were, like, like they were just like, here, take these threes. He's taking, let's see, per 36. Looking it up right now. So he's taking less threes than he did last year. Is he taking more mid-range, too? I'm guaranteed. I'm sure he's taking more. Uh, I'm not looking at the um, – I'm just looking at three-point attempts. Yeah, so probably. I would, I would assume his mid-range more. I, it's, yeah. The thing with Portis is that just Fitzdale isn't holding him accountable. Like, that's really what it comes down to. I would just start pulling him after, like, every single bad post-up fadeaway shot, right? Just, just, like, every failed screen for a pick-and-pop. Bench him. Like, he just, he shouldn't be To, to me, he's he's not holding, the the three guys he's not holding accountable are Portis, Randall, and Morris. And, like, that's just, to, I, I don't know what that exactly that's about. But, like, at some point, I'm, I just, I'm not going to get with this idea that, like, the front office is forcing him to do all these, like, bro, even if the front office, even if the front office is, like, you have to start Bobby, you have to start Randall, and you have to start Morris, it's like, okay. But you are the coach, so you can also just be like, okay, I'm going to start you guys, but, like, also, it's a fake start. And Marcus right. Morris, you, like, I, just go to Marcus, like, I, if you just went to Marcus Morris, right, or rant, like, you got to be able to sell to them, like, like hey, look, like, I'm going to pull you after three minutes, but it's not because, like, you know, it, it's because I, I need you, I, I need you on, uh, to, to, like, lift the bench. I need your scoring to to help the bench guys. So I'm going to give you a quick look, but you're going to be right back in, you know, with three minutes left in the first quarter, and you're going to play, like, for most of the second quarter. Yeah, that would be so much much better, too, just balancing out the roster. And it's a simple thing, too. Like, if you did the quick hook for Randall, for example, and then just played a little smaller with Morris and Knox with, you know, like RJ and Frank, that'd be great. Then you could throw Randall into the second lineup because you're going to need that um, extra playmaking and scoring if you're going to say like Peyton's the backup or Smith is the backup and just start you know spamming pick and rolls with them it just it just I mean, makes so much sense that they don't and, and I'll, I'll tell you I would long for the day when we spam pick and rolls in any situation <laughs> I, I will I will tell you one thing if like the what Perry and Fizz what Perry and, and Mills did after the game you know is effectively putting Fizz on notice and 
probably a lot of the team on notice. Um, I think is Mike Miller would. I think he'd have to be the interim head coach at that point. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I would hope so. It would be him yeah. or like what Canales maybe. No, it would be Miller. It would have to be I'm Miller or because uh, he's the only one that's actually like been a head coach at some level. Um, well, I, mean, I guess Keith Smart would, but Keith, if if Fizz goes, Smart is gone too. That's a hundred percent for sure. That's like if if you get gone and your top assistant isn't the one taking over, he's gone. He's out of there. <laughs> no, like, that's how that works. That's always how it works. That's fair. Um, and, he, and Smart sucks, man. That guy has been a head coach multiple places and been shit multiple places. He has. I mean, Keith Smart, bro. Or Keith Smart, whatever. Mar- what did I say, Marcus? That's it. Marcus Smart also sucks, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah, Keith Smart. Like, yeah, he been he was a head coach in Sacramento for a little bit. Sucked. Uh, and I think also maybe Utah for a little bit. I'm not sure about that one. But I know he was in Sacramento and he sucked and he got fired real quick. Um, yeah. And- let me say one positive thing that you just reminded me of that I meant to say when you brought up Marcus Smart. One thing that I did like about the Dallas game that had nothing to do with the Knicks players themselves is the refs, for the first time in what seems like forever, were not calling annoying fucking ticky-tack fouls on Frank. And it, he got, like, not, like, Marcus Smart-level whistle, but pretty close. And that shit is what made him a fucking holy terror because he was allowed to be physical and handsy, just like a lot of good defenders are. Today, the rest went back to the same bullshit about just like, oh, like he touched him with his hand once, and you know he's a rookie who we don't know, so we're calling a foul or whatever. Yeah, really I does. mean, I thought I thought it, I thought he got like I thought the foul I, the fouls he did get like the one in the post was pretty whack, and then like that one where Garland didn't know what to do and just like dr- drove into him and flopped like that was whack, but. I mean, he wasn't – I thought he was still allowed to, like, defend for the most part. So I didn't get too, like – I wasn't, like, that upset about that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought he was fine. But, well, you know, this actually would be a good spot to, like – I'm so tired of talking about, like, the uh, the Cavs game. And I'm tired of Fizdale. Just – he needs to get his you shit can together. can come back to the Cavs game anyway. You know, we can always come back. Let's, let's talk about, like, something that actually was good that happened, and that was Friday night, which was obviously the Frank Nelikina game and the Knicks – one, it was the, I would say it was the biggest win in franchise history, right? Is that fair to uh, say, or am I too busy validating the Kristoff uh, Porzingis trade if I said that? So, I don't know, but, I mean, it was it was a good win for the Knicks. It was great to see Frank had the freedom to do what he wanted on defense, and that led to a lot of confidence with him on the offensive side, too, and it's just, we kind of see who the who he can be, hopefully sooner rather than later, I would say, and I know I was on um, our... Oh my god, dude, what? can I just say something real quick? I got it, I got it. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, David Fisdale in his post-game press conference dropped this. He said, we're two games from the eighth seed. Bro. Bro. Did you really say that? <laughs> <sighs> Just give it a rest, pal. <laughs> give it a rest. He, he's, he, he's a salesman. He tries. <laughs> he tries. We're two games to eight seed. Yeah, man. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm two. I'm two miles from a lot of supermodels too. So <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch of them in Manhattan, but <laughs> I don't think I got a shot, bro. <laughs> uh, fucking Fisdale. Two games out of the game, like 
just like last week, he's like, yeah, who cares if I play RJ like 45 minutes? He's 19 years old. It's like, yeah, keep playing him that many minutes in a blowout. Well, I, I, think, I think he even knew that was stupid because today RJ only got 24 in the blowout, and he looked like he was moving in molasses for most of the night. So, you know, at least at least RJ is learning that you got to be a man in the NBA. <laughs> God, yeah, this poor kid's getting overworked right now. But well, <laughs> what was that quote? The the physical quote you're talking about, Shwin? He said he. I don't know what the question was because um, I just I just saw it on my Twitter and I'm not going to turn on the audio, but I don't know what the. I'm assuming someone was asking him about you know someone like where do you think you're going to go and blah blah blah. And he's like, I don't, he just said we're two games in the eight seed, so I don't know. I guess I'll find out after the fact. But oh my god, man! Just it's like there are just times if you like you know saying that makes it puts more pressure on you. It really does. It really does. Just be like, hey, like the best thing to do would just be like, hey, you know, we suck tonight. We've been we've had a really bad stretch here. We gotta, you know, I, I gotta be better. I'm gonna get our team better and like. You know we're gonna we're gonna onward and upward from here. That's like yeah, it's a, it's generic. Yeah, generics. He's always gotta like be this. He's he loves being smarter than you, and um, he's not. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. Just the last. I don't, right, it's not gonna be the last thing. But uh, as far as like comparing him to like our last few coaches and stuff, I don't even care about. Fisher because like clearly he had other stuff going on that was way more important to him than basketball. Uh, <laughs> but like like Hornacek sucked for a lot of different reasons. He was a terrible with like communicating with players. Um and calling plays though. Yeah, no, and and he like sucked at I mean my biggest gripe with him was always just like he he refused to adjust the spacing of so many plays to, like, create more threes. And so we just ended up shooting a fuck ton of mid-range. But, like, that team with really very subpar talent, aside from, like, first-month Kristaps, they ended up finishing ninth in the league in assist rate that year. Okay? So, like, that's pretty impressive. That's a good... That means, like, your system, it was actually, like, moving the ball. Like, people... Like, there was shit happening. Um, and yeah, he called out plays like all like he basically called out a play. I mean, there were fourth quarters where he would call out like every fucking set. Um, I'm frustrated that like that Frank had was just like he was playing Frank like it was 2K or something instead of just, like, <laughs> like improv. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like uh, you know I think I've said this multiple times, but in retrospect, I think he probably did a way better job than I thought at the time, but I still think firing him was the right move, because, like, people just hate, guys hated him, so, like, you know. Yeah, mean, he, he, just, yeah he needed to go because he didn't do a thing. It's like Scott Skiles, right? Like, Scott Skiles is usually a pretty good coach, but, like, everybody hates him after a while, so, <laughs> like, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah, are you going to do? Uh, like, two years, like, those guys, there are certain coaches that have, like, a two-year shelf life. It's like, alright, I'm going to give you two years, your team might, like, develop <laughs> a little bit, and, like, move the ball and shit like that, but, like, that's all I can give you. Um, and, yeah, like, I I just don't think, like, yeah, whatever. Who cares, man, if the Knicks... The Knicks ain't made fun of if they keep Fisdale or if they fire him. It really doesn't matter. Um, so, like, all they need to determine is, is this guy... Like, is he doing what we need him to do? Is he developing players? Is he 
prioritizing the right things? Are we playing a modern, quote-unquote, modern style of basketball? Do we have a clear identity of who we want to be? I don't I, – I just feel like I'm looking at those questions, and I'm like, no, no, no. Well, I don't know. The development thing, I don't know. That's a little mixed. I, it's hard to, like – one way or another, it's hard. I, 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 I don't want to, like, say too much about that. But, you know, development can only go so far if, like, you don't have an identity and your structure offensively sucks. And you're not putting your your the people who you want to develop in positions to succeed. Yeah, like, I don't. Really yeah, like tough. development is up in the air. I do think there is an identity. The problem is it's a really bad identity, right? Because that's, that's I think that's kind yeah. of the thing. It's yeah. just like what's their identity, and their identity is like, oh, we're gonna let you know Julius Randle and Marcus Morris ISO and post up, and we're gonna do a post up offense, and we're gonna allow Bobby Portis to once he touches the ball in the post to do a fadeaway. Like, that's kind of their identity. And it's, and they're also the idea of, like, we're not going to do traditional pick and roll. We're going to do dribble handoffs that lead into picks. And that doesn't help any of the players. But, on like, we're also not going to teach anybody how to set a pick. Exactly, yeah. It's, like, it's, <laughs> it's like twofold. Because, like, yeah, we're going to do dribble handoffs, but not screen anyone on the dribble handoffs. So it's like, okay, so why are we running dribble handoffs in the first place? In, so, some, ways, in some ways, it's like a – I think it's almost like a – like a swing the pendulum overreaction, the pendulum swinging too far. That's the thing I was thinking of, of like, all right, we know Fizdale's one of his main things at all his stops was, was penetration and getting to the rim. So now he's like gearing everything towards just letting motherfuckers ramble in like bull in a china shop to the rim. And we have a great free throw rate. We got your, we got your penetration. Yep. We have top five free throw rate in the league. At the, expen- at the expense of literally every other part of offense. Yeah, it, it's what is also like I I think I, I I'm pretty sure I said this in the Slack and I've definitely tweeted it, but like there is an offensive structure, but it's like like imagine if all of the shots that were like wow I fucking hate Bobby Porter taking that shot <laughs> or I hate Marcus Morris taking that shot or I hate Julius Randle like those three guys if you look at all the shots they get and you're like wow imagine instead of that like prime Carmelo Anthony taking those shots and all of a sudden you're like oh man this offense is like way better. But it's like, you don't have that guy. You don't have, like, an elite isolation scorer. Because, like, I look at some of these sets and I'm like, oh, like, that's actually, like, the spacing is okay. They actually, like, they do actually clear out the side pretty well when they do that. Like, they do actually, like, when Randall is doing his bullshit iso at the top of the key, it's, like, usually spaced out okay. But, like, you don't have a guy that that spacing or, like, doing that matters like you don't have that level of an isolation scorer at this point in time so you either have to adjust like you're not you have to adjust to the talent you have and it's like i don't see i mean how many pick and roll possessions is it that julius randall had run like it was like single digits i think going into friday's game anyway it probably still is single digits yeah one tweet i saw uh i think it was dallas uh Poster and toaster extraordinaire. Oh, God. And he's, he's another one. <laughs> yeah, that's why I get along with him. So <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was saying, like, this, you know, the one, one consequence of, of this kind of press conference is, like, okay, now Fizz might lean a little bit less toward development and more toward, quote, unquote, trying to win now. And, but to me, I'm, like, the dial is already at nine. He's just going to turn it up to ten and... He's like, he. What adjustments is he gonna make? Because he doesn't know what leads to winning. He so like, he doesn't identify the yeah like like he watched that Dallas change. game. He watched that Dallas game and like, 
like the reason, literally the reason we won that game is because Marcus Morris was on fire. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Well, I'm not like obviously I'm not saying like Frank had a great game, obviously, right? And like, yeah, we had a solid defensive game, even though Luca and KP like cause their shots, they scored a lot of points, as uh, many a head up their ass writer pointed out. But they were often extremely difficult shots. Do you have the box score for their game for that game? I don't, like, to, I, I don't you, have it I up right you, now, but Porzingis, I, I know. is better than this. Like, this Porzingis had, like. no, had no no shots at the rim, I believe. No, no, he had this one shot at the rim because he burned Bobby Portis on a okay. play because Bobby Portis can't play defense. But, um, <laughs> Porzingis had 28 points, and he was like 4 for 5 from three-point range because he had open looks because Luka draws the defense so much. So it's not like Porzingis was like this huge dominant force. I mean, more than just less than half a shots were just off, based off threes. So that's really and where... He, and, Okay. And he hit some tough bank shots. Like, all right, if you're going to hit, like, moving bank shots, then, like, hats off. Okay, so, like, this is against the Mavericks. Uh, they went 37 of 90 from the field, 14 of 44. That's 41.1%. 14 of 44 from three. 14 of seven. That's 31.8%. 14 of seven. No, the Mavericks. 14 Uh-oh. of 17 from the free throw line. They scored 102 points. Uh, they had 13 turn- turnovers. Against the Cavs tonight, the Cavs went 36 of 82 from the field, 44% from the field, 8 of 28 from three, 28.6% from three, 28 of 31 from the free throw line, uh, 90.3%. So that was a big advantage for them, 14 turnovers. But, like, they only had 108 points, and the Mavericks had 102 on Friday. So it's like, I just don't look at these games, and I'm like, like, it's just really obvious. I think he actually might be doing okay defensively, even despite Julius Randle, like, not even pretending to try, and Kevin Knox, like, being totally unaware of screens at any point in time in his life. Um, and not like, knowing how to use the baseline. I, Kevin Knox yeah. has given up so many baseline drives so far this season. Why? It's so frustrating. It's I don't like, understand why. He, like, angles. He, he's like, I'm going to trick you into going baseline. Like, like Well, I mean, he's probably not being coached on that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I so I... Forgetting even let's just let's just give Fizz the benefit of the doubt and say like yes okay the defense is like passable and it, it is not the problem I don't think it is the problem with this team especially know. considering we haven't had Mitch for a few games and he had yeah. foul trouble for a few games and we weren't playing Frank in the beginning like yeah, so yeah. I don't think I think the defense is like it, it, with the personal we have it should be like I, I think he'll probably get it even with his weirdness he'd probably get it like somewhere around middle of the pack. Um, it's like the offense. The offense is just terrible. Like there's nothing else to say. I don't even know. Like what else is there to say? I I don't know. It's just bad. And there's we have, we're averaging 19 assists per game, man. I think that's slightly lower than last year, or about. It's it's basically the same as last year, or assist rate. And the talent. I don't care how you feel. If you want to, if you thought the Knicks had a terrible summer or whatever, I think everybody would at least be like, all right, their talent is better this year. Oh, it's certainly uh, better. Yeah, it's certainly better. And, like, you should see some tangible benefit from that offensively. Instead, it's like, you know, we're still bad at all the things we're bad at. We don't move the ball. We're terrible at moving the ball. Uh, we don't take enough threes, even though we shoot an okay percentage on them now. Um, we, you know, all all we are good at is getting to the line, essentially. And, like, now we're even not good at shooting those. So, of all, like, you know, it's just, 
I think we were a pretty decent offensive rebounding team last year. I think we were really good, actually. Um, and we're still good at that. But, like, yeah, you're not good at... It's the same thing. It's the same thing with better players. That's all it is. It's the same exact fucking theme, team with better players. And I would not be surprised if, like, that's basically what the front office sees and was hinting at with that press conference, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I certainly second so. to last in the league in uh, assist rate, so fourth in assist percentage. Yeah, fourth and I think oh, we're okay. shooting that. I think we're twenty ninth percent uh, field goal percentage. Uh, I'm pretty sure we were bottom three in true shooting percentage, bottom three in EFG. So, like, basically any shooting efficiency metric other than three point percentage where we're average, which again is why it is so unbelievably frustrating that we just don't shoot more threes, which is what we should be trying to get with our offense, coming from me, somebody who, like, despises how much the three-point shot matters now. Like, we clearly should be shooting more threes. Instead, we are, like, hell-bent on getting Julius right. And You know, I, I should have known this in preseason, man, because he said some bullshit about Marcus Morris after that first game against Washington. Because remember Marcus, he had that, like, crazy first half, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he had, like, 17, he was just on fire. And they asked Fizz about it after the game, and he's like, yeah, you know, it was like the Lance thing with Draymond. He was like, he's like, yeah, you know, Marcus, I think he's been he's been around the league a lot, and he's been in a lot of places where he's been, you know, the fourth, the fifth guy. He hasn't really had a chance to show off that, like, you know, he can score like this. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I think he's gassing him up. But, like, now I'm like, dude, he might really, like, because Marcus is probably, I mean, in practice, he's probably giving everybody the business. Like, I think Fizz probably, you know, Fizz probably, like, takes practices as gospel, and is like, like, that's how he, because, like, Frank, you know, is in practice doing the same fucking thing, right? Like, yeah. Frank is, like, dribbling the ball up, like, calling out a play, executing it dutifully to the best of his abilities, like, without fail. And, you know, like, in practice, DSJ's out there, like, step back, step back, has he Jimbo, uh, like, Elf is probably doing elf things. Like, I just, I, there's, I, just, I have to believe that like this is how he decides who is good or not. It's just like practice. It's the only, it's the only thing I can explain. Want to hear uh, the past two years for Julius Randle? His true shooting was sixty percent. So like it was ascending since his rookie season. His true shooting right now is forty nine point three percent. I don't it's know all, if we can really put that on Fizz because you haven't ever coached in the NBA, man. Oh no, you're right. I shouldn't put that all on Fizz. <laughs> I should um. I should just probably sit down need and... a whole other year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I I you know, if you're the front office, you got to think like, what you sign most of these guys to one plus ones. Just give Fizz another year, you know, with all the same guys. It's, the continuity itself should breed some. Some real success. We should see some real results next year. Oh man, but um, yeah, we still haven't talked. We still haven't talked about the Mavericks game that much. And um, I just want to say, uh, Frank was amazing, and it was just wonderful to see uh, lame ass Porzingis just like lose and just be, you know, like shitty down the stretch and not box out. It was it was very it's very satisfying to watch, just especially just him being such a negative. For the Mavericks, it was it was beautiful. Like I know we had twenty eight, and if you look at the box score, it was wonderful. But no, he was just he just wasn't good. And then 
Luca taking these awful threes with uh, with Frank on him, like, which is great. It was just wonderful to watch. And then and then you come back to this game and you're like, wow, that's such a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, Kristaps definitely like he maxed out against the Knicks for sure. Like you could tell his effort level was way higher than yeah. He was trying. He just wasn't good. Um, But like the thing that's funny is I forgot who pointed this out. I might have seen it on Twitter or something. But like I think he scored like six points on defenders that were not. Randall or Portis, <laughs> like yeah, that's, no, that's really what it was. Like he, like he didn't score much. That wasn't like those guys, and most of his shots were like open too. So it's not like he was like really dominating anyone. It was just like all right, two crappy defenders. Good job, you you scored on <laughs> Julius Randall. I'm pretty sure all three of us can also score on like Bobby Portis. So it's not like I don't think it's that impressive. No, I, I my biggest thing with him, and like I, I don't even want to like talk about him too much because whatever, fuck him, but. My main concern with him has always been, like, he does not create efficient shots. Like, even when he's rolling, he does, like, right. if, you, if you extrapolate the shots he's taking over a longer time frame, like, he basically needs to be dark for mid-range to be a super efficient scorer. And, like, we have enough of a sample now, I think, where it's... it's That's com- not going to happen. Yeah, you can comfortably... Even if he makes, like, some incremental progress because he's more he's stronger or whatever like I think you're talking about a guy whose ceiling is capped at like what 56 57 true shooting something like that yeah Which, like, and even even Dirk like I, I mean we're talking about a Hall of Famer so I shouldn't say even Dirk like Dirk when he was killing people it was not only like the elite mid-range he also was not like a zero for passing and then he also his drive his handle yeah. was right. People forget he had a championship yeah, game winning drive, pump, hezzy, lefty layup on the drive off Chris Bosch. It was a spin move, right? Or spin. Or I think it was like a pump to his. He spin. had a bunch of drive. He had a lot of drives on that. Like I remember, yeah, he had a bunch they, of. They looked kind of doofy, but his handle was like actually like at, like legit for a seven footer, especially for that uh, time period. Yeah, it's almost oh, like God. it's pretty. Prez hitting us with that time period over here. Well, now every fucking seven footer, like <laughs> or close to seven footer, swears they're like you know in the M one mixtape tour now. Well, so. it's like it's like when pe- people are like, "Oh, Kristaps moves like a wing," and I'm like, "What fucking sport are you watching, man?" He swings like who- one, but like relax, right? It's, like, <laughs> like Siakam, like that. He's a big that plays like a. I mean, he plays like a fucking guard apparently now. He Siakam plays, moves like Slender, man. He's yeah. fucking insane, dude. He, he apparently he plays like he's hot sauce. <laughs> I mean, he really now, is hot sauce. Now, though, now he does. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I mean, this was that. But anyway, it's like that's the, that's always been the thing with Kristaps, right? It's like, all right, can he create? And it's like everyone was like, oh, well, now he's playing with Luca, so he's gonna just take way more threes and like be more efficient. And like, yeah, he is going to eventually, like. You know he's gonna he is shooting more threes, so it'll overall have like a net positive effect probably on his efficiency. But it's like okay, but you're paying him max contract not just to be like yeah pick and pop and pick and pop <laughs> guy but, like you're expecting him to be able to shoulder like creation. borderline borderline thirty usage right like be a shot creation like a hub of offense and if what he's gonna create of that is basically just like mid-range stuff, you know, it's just, he's not going to be that high efficiency of a guy. And then it's like, okay, well, then he has to be, like, an elite, elite defender. And I'd, be curious to, I'd be curious to look up um, how they did with Luka off the court and him on the court because 
that would happen, and he would hit a few tough shots, and if he didn't hit the tough shots, nothing, nobody was scoring for Dallas. Right, and it's like, and so he, he's definitely an elite, elite rim protector. No, I nobody can take that away from him. There's that's just like statistical fact that he is that good at rim protection. Um, but like, you know, in 2019, yes, rim protection is still very important. So that's why like somebody like Brook Lopez can function. But the the thing with Brook is that like he's also really good at boxing out and like has tangible positive effect on team rebounding, which is been proven basically every year of his career. Uh, Kristaps does not at all. Um, and then, and so if you're not gonna do, if you're not gonna be like some box out king that like just clears the glass a ton, uh, in combination with that rim protection, then you need to be like a switchable perimeter defender. And you know, like he's not ter- he re- he is good for his size, but it's still like good for his size. It's not good. It's just good for his size. Um, it's still a minus. So like. You know, if he's going to hang out and pretend to be, a, like, say he's a five, but have, like, Maxi Clebert do all the five grunt work of, like, defending the Dwight Howards and shit of the world, that's just a big problem. But, you know, enough about fucking Chris Dubs, because uh, Frank did, that was, you know, I think it sucks that, like, we only do this weekly pod and, like, we're going to get to this two days after everybody else. But, I mean, that was definitely the best game of his Knicks career, and, I mean, I... I would just say the best game of his career um, because he was the best player on the floor for the next. He was he was doing shit that is like if you if you've been like reading my comments or anything that I write for posting and toasting like yeah, press everyone's reading and clamoring for your I comments never, in the I section. Never, no, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm, you right. I'm just saying I'm saying if, I'm saying if because I assume most people don't read my nine thousand word fucking rambles. That's, that's why that's very true. <laughs> so like. Everything I write about is, like, player development and skills and shit like that. And he was, like, like the open threes – I mean, not the open threes. The May threes were great. The defense was incredible. But on, he was doing some ball moves. It helps to have Luca on you, who's a trash defender right now. But, like, he was is Luka doing – he's not as bad as fat, but he's – Yeah, Luca's still probably still had, He's probably still had a few too many tapas before the season started. Um <laughs> <laughs> but Frank, but Frank, Frank clearly has like moves now. He didn't have like go-to moves and counters and shit like that, and he has that now. He didn't use any today because he was like, you know, just handing it off and running to the corner but, or whatever. I kind of thought today that like it felt like him and it like him and it, it felt like you know what? The, okay, so against Dallas. What was really noticeable is that even though we were still running the same shitty offense, I did feel like like Morris was actually more willing. Like he was, he actually he had did, some amazing passes. Yeah, he had some really good passes, and mm-hmm. like Randall had some good passes in that game, and they were quicker passes. Not even not even just not necessarily amazing mm-hmm. passes, but quicker passes. And like, yeah, we only had 19 assists in that game, but if you just watch that game and you watch the Cavs game, like, yes, we had 19 assists against the Cavs, too. You would see, like, so much of a difference. Because even today, like, I think four, three or three or four of, like, Frank's assists were just transition, like, easy pass. Yeah, easy assists, yeah. Yeah. They, they, they weren't, like, in the half court. And, like, that Knicks-Dallas game was, like, a pretty brutal, just, like, half court slugfest kind of thing. Um, so it was just, like, totally different qualitative passing. And, like, I, I don't know, like, it's it, 
if you're going to run that shitty of an offense, you really, really need you know Morris and Randall to kind of like trust in those guys earlier in the game. Um, yeah. Because like yeah. ultimately, like like dude, these guys are not Luca. Even RJ, like yeah, he's an alpha, but he's not like a Luca dude. And especially like, like, and he knows he's sucking ass right now, so he's not just gonna like have the confidence to just like fuck this. I'm just gonna like I'm gonna just do me here and you know take this guy off the bounce or whatever. Um, I mean, he did do that a couple times anyway, but it's like, you know, the, the it's just the entire, like, feeling of the team was so different in that game in terms of just, like, the passing and how they played together offensively. Whereas today, it, it truly did feel like Morris and Randall were just like, yo, fuck it, yo, we're getting, like, I'm getting my shots up. And then I'll think about passing to you, maybe. Uh, same with Portis. Um, so, like, yeah, I don't. I I was definitely not happy with Frank's lack of aggression, and that he needs to like be impervious to kind of how shitty his teammates are playing. So that's obviously just something he needs to work on. Um, but that said, like. You know that Dallas game was great, and like he's—I mean—that move he had on Luca, where he just froze him, used the hezzy, and then threw a no look to Julius to stop the key for three. That was like—that's probably the best play he's made, ever. Yeah, <laughs> ever. Like I, yeah, easy, like I, I genuinely believe that. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. And he and, tried to that lest lest we not mention on the pod that he tried to murder KP, and yeah, can trigger Swin here. Uh, because they looked at it in the replay booth and overturned it when literally if you just look at the New York Post picture of that play that was the back page, the sports page, KP's hand is just squarely in Frank's chest. And yeah, every single official you would, involved you would in that play should be fired. Like you every single official should be fired. Every single Secaucus person should be fired and should never officiate any sort of level of basketball <laughs> ever again because of that foul. Like how... Fucking yeah! Stop the league for a couple of weeks. I don't care and how fucking stupid and dumb do you have to be to not like to reverse that call. It's so frustrating because I hate, really hate, like not just bad officiating, but like when they have the chance to make up for bad officiating and they still are shitty. Like every single one, like send them to the moon, let them be Matt Damon on Mars, and you know shit to make potatoes on Mars. Like I don't care. Anymore. That's like, happened I a lot in the last week, and on like a few other games I've been well, watching. People shitting like, on Mars. <laughs> yes, on their way to punting, uh, hopefully punting referees out of these arenas Please, where they're. I would love that to happen. Bad. Fire them and find them. Fucking just joke of a joke of a week sometimes. I don't know how they uh, grade the referees or whatever behind the scenes, but it should absolutely be an increased, like, penalty or whatever, or minus or whatever the hell, bad red mark, whatever you want to call it, for fucking up a replay call. This replay is driving me nuts. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't like the replay. Well, if it's not doing it. its job. <laughs> but I like, think that's really what it is. I think the only person that, that would get triggered by that was, was triggered by that game was Howard Beck, so. That's true. <laughs> Well, Who is to be totally fair, unbiased. To be, fair, to be fair, he he totally had, and I'm sure he's not the only one, he totally had one column, and then he probably had to scrap it for a different column. Do you know how many people had that column ready? I feel like, of course they did. Like They I wrote that column in, on July 1st. Yeah, they wrote that column, they had it ready, and they couldn't do it because 
Porzingis lost. He cost them the game because he can't, still can't box out after five years and being seven. That was the eight. most on brand. That was the funniest part of that game. That was like really literally was. the first thought I had. I was like, but I didn't tweet it until we made some fucking free throws and won the game <laughs> because I was like, I was like, oh my god, I gotta get this fire tweet out so bad. But like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not jinxing this shit. I'm not, I know no, <laughs> that's how I felt too because I was like holy shit Randall got the rebound because Porzingis doesn't know what he's doing and I was like of course this was going to happen but because they can't hit free throws it was just a mess I actually pulled up on cleaning the glass of Porzingis' number without Doncic on the floor <laughs> um, in uh, 115 total possessions uh, the Mavericks are minus 7.7 with Porzingis on and Doncic off they have a 102 offensive rating and a 110 defensive rating. They're, yeah, they're shooting 50% for effective field goal percentage. They have they're in the 77th percentile in turnover percentage, and their free throw rate is in the first percentile. Oh, before I forget, shout out Tim Hardaway reminding people why uh, it was <laughs> word on the street that not one but two first round picks were required to move his deal in a vacuum. Because, like, as bad as KP was, at least he hit some tough shots and blocked some shots. Tim literally just got up there, like, fucking... He thought uh, it was the Tim Hardaway revenge game. The Fresh Prince. He really did um, think it was the Tim Hardaway revenge game, because he was just taking every shot that he like, could. He, 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 like, he, he thinks it's the Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, I, like, I've written that joke in multiple pieces where I'm like, the Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, he thinks it's the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. He really <laughs> thinks that. Like, he thinks that trade was about him. And it's like, kind of was. But not for the reasons he thinks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, bro, we just really need to get off that contract, man. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know what really makes me like sad about Tim Hardaway? Oh, like, and, he was playing so well to like start that season, right? Like he was oh, playing really well. Started, man, he was great to start. He was excellent, and then he had some injuries, and then he's just he hasn't been the same. And it's really sad that just you kind of watch him in the Mavericks game, and then you're just like, you know what? Thank God he's not on this team. And like, he go ahead. He, he's a diminished athlete now. Like, I really think we dam- we dumped some damage goods on Dallas that, like, you know, national like, and it doesn't even necessarily make the trade good or whatever. But like, I, I think it's I think the thing, and I'm not. I just to be clear, I'm not talking about Chris Nobbs who might be damage goods himself. But like, I think Tim Tim Hardaway Jr. is definitely damage goods. Like that block that Frank had, like. Oh yeah, he two was years ago. Yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. would have just he would have dug that. He oh dug yeah, it. or he would have just dug that too. He but he hasn't he hasn't been able to get lift since like the first couple of weeks. Even like beginning, of, he's just not that much of that that kind of an athlete anymore. And he's had what like two he had like two stress reactions or something in his lower body. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a bigger dude now. Like if he was pretty slim, and like by the time he was before he got traded, he was like. Pretty jacked. Like he's a big. He was a big, not like R.J. Barrett, like core big, but like compared to when he came in the league, he had put on at least like fifteen, twenty pounds of muscle, probably too much. Yeah, no, or and, could go and then the, barbecue down in Dallas. Or the, <laughs> and the, and the other thing is like like shout out to Courtney Lee with the uh, the Keith Bogans fakest <laughs> of fake starts. Just played the first five minutes of the game and then didn't play after that. That was my but like that was my like, second favorite part of the game. He, He's another one. Remember at the start of last season, there was, like, that weird thing where it was like, oh, yeah, Courtney Lee has some, like, neck issue. And then he just, like, didn't play for a long time, and everybody was like, oh, they're just not playing him because they know they need to trade him, and they have other guys, like, younger guys in their position they just want to give minutes to. 
And like I bought that, but like when he when we traded him to Dallas, they did play him and he still sucked. And like we saw him in five minutes that game, and I was like, "Yeah, bad. Like, you suck even more than like before. Like when you were at your best with the New York, you were basically like nondescript, and like now you just suck. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I think we definitely got off two kind of damaged goods guys contracts there. Um, so whatever. Uh, I found some damaged goods, but it was damaged goods with upside that was much cheaper. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Den- Dennis is also he might very well be damaged. It might end up being a trade of just like damaged goods. Um, to be completely honest, but um, yeah, I mean, look, I- I've had a lot of people. I've had more than a few people be like, "What did the Knicks actually get out of that trade?" Well, it's like I can't answer that question to you right now. But you know, if you're gonna sit here and pretend that like. Oh yeah, look. If they just trade a KP by himself, they're gonna get this sick fucking return. Like, okay, so we got an unprotected first, a second protected first, and if you're just looking at it in terms of assets, and we got Dennis Jr., who was a ninth pick overall the year before, and like let's let's say at the time of the trade he was a late first value. I think that's generally that's accurate. Yeah, let's say he's a late first value. What team? was trading for Chris Tops last year, that was going to give you, just in terms of those assets, that same type of value, and then give you more on top of that. At the time, we traded for him. So you're talking about, like, what, you're going to get five first-round picks worth of value just for Chris Tops alone? You're going to get some sick... What prospect are you going to get? And on top of that, like, people people were like, oh, you know, like, teams would have wanted him as a star, they would have upped the bidding or whatever, but, like, Teams are not also they're also not stupid and they if they know he's threatening the qualifying offer, they're not gonna give the same kind of packages in their proposals because they know like, oh no, you'll take less because he's threatening the qualifying offer. Like, well it's like also like like if you're trading the entire point of trading for a guy is getting value, right? Like if you are trading let's say some team is out there that's willing to offer like two unprotected future first and then some young prospect similar to DSJ and another future first. So, like, three future first, two of them unprotected, one protected, and a DSJ caliber, at you know, prospect at the time of the trade. Like, I mean, yeah, it's better, I guess, in terms of asset value, but, like, even if the Knicks totally fucked up what they did this summer, like, their book is clear. Like, they don't... They can get rid of any of these contracts other than Randall, and Randall's like one more year. He's basically expiring after this one. It's not like they're 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 not. They have a chance essentially to like, yeah, we fucked up this summer, but like we can use our space productively next summer. I don't know if they will do that. They probably won't because it's the Knicks. But like, there's the chance you can do that. So like to answer the question now, like, oh, well, what did the Knicks get? Did they they and to even to say they lost the fucking trade? I mean, first of all, if you if you think that you haven't watched Porzingis play this year. Period. Like, because there's no way you could actually watch the man play this year and be like, yeah, 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 they lost the trade. How? How? He's, He's not been like him yet. Maybe yeah, he will be, but not yet. Right. It's like, you can't, like, I saw Howard Beck tweet to somebody, like, I forgot what he tweeted. He was like, oh, like, uh, I don't know, because uh, I can't I can't answer that question. I don't see in this. Somebody asked him, like, oh, well, do you see Kristaps getting through a season, you know, at full health and not hurt and all this stuff, like, you know, basically playing at a high level for the entire season, and he's like, well, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, I can't look into the future, and, 
and see that. And I was like, all right, dude, but you have no problem at the same time then looking into the future and saying the Knicks absolutely lost the trade? Like, fuck you. Fucking take your bald-ass, fucking bitch-ass head out of my face. Um... Like, no, you suck, Howard Beck. I hope you're not listening to this, but you, I mean, you definitely aren't because you suck. Um, yeah, you suck, dude. You're the worst. Like, you suck at your job. I see through all your bullshit, your fucking wannabe objective nonsense. Like, that guy's a joke. He was slurping the, the only time he's ever been, like, quote unquote objective and positive about the Knicks is when Phil Jackson was here. And literally the moment Phil Jackson left, He's been like, oh, this is terrible. Everything is the worst. This is the worst timeline ever. It's like, yeah, okay, buddy. Well, I, I see your angle. I know where exactly you're coming from because, what, you were the Lakers beat writer when the Lakers were winning championship with Phil Jackson as head coach? All right. I, like, I, I see. I know what's going on here. So, you know, you want to grind your axe somewhere, that's fine, man. Just don't try and tell me you're objective. Like, you're not. Okay? You're just fucking not. You're as objective as, like, Bill Simmons is. That was a great rant, and don't worry, I will not edit that out, unlike some people in the Nick podcasting <laughs> world when people go on great rants. So, um. I think we should put air horns over that. <laughs> right, gunshots too. <laughs> You're not going to do those sound effects, um, Michael Winslow? No. No? Okay, thanks. Thanks, I guys. Know, I don't know who Michael Winslow is. The guy from Police Academy who does all the sound effects with his mouth? Did you just uh, drop a Police Academy reference? I did. What are you, 70? Yes. I'm a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a boomer who's uh, ruining the world and complaining about the youth, you know, for not going to college and complaining about paying, you know, was it like $100,000 for school and complaining that they have to have shitty health insurance and all that sort of stuff while I just, you know, roll in that Social Security money that uh, my parents set up for me for being the actual good generation and defeating Nazis. And we're just like, no, we like Nazis. They're great. We love them. Like Trump. Um, yeah, like Trump. I just want to point out that the Pelicans have a 2-7 and seven record, and no one's talking about that. No, no one. Not that I, uh, not that I know of. Yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. Like, I, uh, ah, man, I wish... Where the tire fires are and where they aren't, you mean, in the eyes nah, of the it's media? Just, <laughs> it's just, it's just like, I I don't, I, I, I wonder, like, what our, what would our record be if we had Gentry as our head coach? Because, like, I watch them play, and, like, their offense is pretty good. Like, they move the ball, players move and zips around, all that shit. So, like, he at least clearly coaches offense, but the defense is a total disaster. And I sometimes just wonder, like, if if we had Gentry and we were losing games, but, like, it was that kind of losing, where the ball's moving around, things are zipping around, so you lose games, like, 120 to 130, would we be happier and would that be better for player development? I don't know. Like, I'm genuinely wondering that. I don't that's know. A good, that's a good that's question. That's a very good question. I lean towards yes only because I don't think... I was going to say that the Pelicans don't have defensive players, but they do have defensive players. So, like, that that really does bring up a good question because, like, more or less, we're pretty much arguing process over results right now, especially with Fisdale, because we're basically saying what we're watching doesn't make sense. 
But when you watch the Pelicans and the way they run, like that makes sense. So we're like, okay, it's two and eight, but they're doing something that makes sense. I I don't know. At least on one side of the ball, on one side of the ball, it makes sense what they're doing. Yeah, it's just it's a really tough thing to actually like when you actually like because you know broadly speaking and just like initially you're just like yo yeah of course they're doing the right thing but at some point you have to think that like oh okay if he's doing that they'd win more games but I I don't I don't really know to be honest I think now. I think I think your first answer was was right on the money because uh, when we think of development and when media talks about development you're almost always talking about offense and we usually. If somebody develops on defense, it's like a pleasant surprise. And if they're good at offense but not defense, then it's just that's the kind of player they are. And we just write it off, and that's the end of that discussion. But, like, RJB getting – like, look at RJB on defense. Like, he's had a clear step forward from his time at college, but nobody in – like, Vork has had some good writing on it. But, like, really, aside from that, it's overwhelmingly talking about, like, his hot start on offense and da 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 like, the defense is just fucking, like, icing on the cake if it happens for development. Yeah, well, oh. for RJ, it was one of those things also. I think they're not talking about defense that much because he, he wasn't coming into it. I wouldn't say it's, like, icing. I think him being good on defense, even though he's actually been slipping the past couple games, but mm-hmm. him just being good on defense actually just maximizes his ceiling yeah. as a player. So. For sure. Um, so, like... <clears throat> just, I don't know. Uh, one other thing, I guess, like, just to go back to Fizz, what really I don't understand is, like, he, if he did no, nothing else structurally, if we ran the exact same fucking offense, but at the start of, like, in when we push tempo, if, like, it's not, like, you're not in, tra- like, semi-transition, right? Like, mm-hmm. if we ran some drag screens or double drag screens at the top of the key, just to, like, probe and see if you can get anything easy... I think I would be so much happier with what I'm seeing because, like, you're at least trying to do something kind of, like, quick, easy that might yield a high-value shot or get your guards going downhill. And it's like, this is where this entire idea of, like, whoever gets the rebound pushes it. Like, that, yes, that's fine, but, like, it has to be, like, there need to be rules, you know, like, there, to me, when I watch this play, it just, it doesn't feel like there are rules or automatics. Or, like, the only automatic we have, we know, is, like, ISO and post of Randall and Morris or whatever. But, like, there doesn't, there, like, the, there doesn't seem to be, like, principles that make any sense to, to what his stated goals are, right? Like, oh, we want to play fast. Okay. So, Marcus Morris and Julius Randall should never put, like, bring the ball before then. Oh yeah, definitely. Can never bring the ball up before. Um, if we want to play fast, then, or if we want to shoot a lot of threes, then when you do get into tempo, like when you do get into the open court, you shouldn't have bigs just setting up down low in the in the in the paint. Like Portis does that all the time, right? I've seen him. I saw him, saw him do it like two or three times tonight. Uh, all right, what happened? Just running to the corner, like when Julius, the when he had his great game, and that's where half his fucking action came was him. Yo, just even Julius even against the Celtics, corner. even if you watch the Celtics game, if you watch the Celtics game in transit, like our transition offense was so much better in that game. Like they were spreading the floor. There was no, there wasn't like multiple dudes in the lane clogging up, you know, clogging up the paint when RJ was coming through on the break or something like that. It was really good to see. 
And I even tweeted about it. And I was like, I hope that was like, you know, a, a something that like the coaching staff touched upon and is like a focus for them. And I can tell you with some certainty that it was just a good night. Just happened to be a good night. And like, I think that's the most frustrating part of like when we win yeah. games or play good games. It's just like, it just happens to be like a good night. Like, you know, you're, it's, yeah. you're stupid low IQ players in your team happen to just like not make losing plays that night. And, you know, on the aggregate that now that we're seeing through 10 games, it's like, there were just so many losing plays tonight I saw from like Randall. It's like the, the one that, that kills me, man, is. Is the one when like Morris, Morris will bring it up, and then we'll throw the ball into like Portis or Randall in the post, <laughs> sixteen feet from the hoop, like with their back to the basket, and it's like with they not even look at giving the ball to RJ or Frank, and like that's the and like you know what as soon as that ball goes in there like that's the play, that's for running, and I saw that multiple times today, and it's like, look man, if I'm one of those young guys, I don't know, I, I just. There's some shit like that that gets really annoying. And I, I noticed another one today that I'll, I'll add to that list. So, like, one annoying thing that Julius does is say there's three Knicks under the hoop when a miss happens. And a lot of the times, say, Morris or Bobby or whoever got the rebound, there would be Julius and Frank would be there. And they would give the ball to Frank, but Julius would just hang there because he'd be like, let me get the ball to bring it up. Yeah, 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 yes. And he kept doing that, and then it wouldn't be, like, a big deal. Like, Frank would get the ball most of the time and just move on, and then Julius would start running up the court. But it's, like, it's what you were talking about with roles. Like, if you get the rebound, Julius, yeah, push it. But, like, otherwise, run your fucking ass up the court, and you'll get the ball anyway, probably, because that's what this offense is. But, like, <laughs> you don't need it for 80 fucking feet, bro. Get the fuck out of here. And it's just so... It's like the most. It's like the perfect embodiment of how he fucking rolls. It's like, you know, today he thought he had a good game, like yeah, shit like 100%. that. Like you, you know, like he just does shit, and he's like, this is a good idea. Like me bringing the ball up eighty feet is a good idea. Me barreling into four defenders and then maybe passing it if I'm feeling spicy. Like, but probably I'm just gonna take this apparently mid range shot that I'm great at to start the season. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, like, okay, we got we got Julius Randle truther over here, Drew. Yeah, well, I, I, look, I looked I looked up my basketball reference, which is like uh, I, I think that's a different site from what you looked it up on. And for them, it was three to ten feet, and it was forty seven percent, which is still really good. So like he's he's hitting it this year. I guess it just fucking annoys me because it's a terrible shot. I mean, it is a bad shot, and it's only compound compounded by the fact that Fizdale doesn't hold anyone accountable. Right. And I think that's even. That's, like, equally as frustrating because it's just, like, all right, if Julius Randle's going to do this, and, you should sub him out for someone, and, like, they just don't. And that's, that's what really and, – I think that's and, probably what gets me annoyed out of everything else there is the fact that when you see the players playing this poorly and this selfishly, that there's no accountability. And I do think when you're, like, Randle definitely thinks he has a good game, but not only that, Fisdale thinks Randle had a good game. That's yeah. Definitely, that's what definitely, I think, makes see, it even I don't, worse. I don't and even know so if Fizdale thinks Randall had a good game. I just think Fizdale thinks that, like, he sees, like, 20 and 16, and he's like, I can get this guy to be a beast. Like, I just got to get to him. And it's, like, his idea – I just feel like his idea of how to, like, connect with these guys and get them to do what he wants them to do is to just let them do whatever the fuck they want for, like, 25 games and then casually – The hype man. Yeah, and just casually be, like, 
hey, yo, Julius, you know, like, Frank and Kevin, they were wide open on that play. And Julius was like, yeah, 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 coach, my bad. Like, I'll get him next time. It's like, no, you won't. But That's whatever. 100%, 100% how the film session goes. Yeah, but like, yo, here's here's the I, this this is the one. To, I this one drove me nuts today, and I saw it three separate times. So whoever was it, it was like Morris or Portis was posting up, right? So like, Randall would be on the opposite wing or corner, and so like obviously if somebody's posting up. Basically, everybody else is like, because in our offense we are not like cutting. Obviously, it's like everybody else is just spotting up, right? But it's like. Everybody else kind of has – it's not like – it's pretty logical to, like, keep a decent amount of space between – like, you know the spacing kind of, like, where to spot up, where to not – like, you know, oh, this guy's over there. I should be, like, 10 feet over this way or 5 feet over that way, whatever it is, right? It's not that complex. He doesn't know. No, no, no. This is even worse. I saw this motherfucker come up to the top and, lo- like, literally – I saw this three separate times – one time he stood in front of Knox, just stood in front of him. Like, wasn't even, like, ready for the pass. Was just, like, chilling there watching Morris post. Like, not with his hands up or anything. Just standing there watching it. And then he did the same twice with, like, Frank standing there. And then, like, like, I don't know if Morris was going to pass or not, but I do know that, like, those in those instances, they were, like, direct line of vision to him while he's posting, right? And, like, Morris is a little bit more willing than Randall, so, like, I'll say he would have passed one of the three times. But it's like, like I just could not. It's like, wow, dude, are you? You're either so unaware, or just like don't give a shit and just want the ball that bad. Because I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I'll, I'll see if I can find if I, I'll see if I can find it and clip it. But it was just like, I, I mean, it was stunning, man. I was like, wow, you are just fucking a total merc out there, man. Such a mercenary. He's just playing like a complete mercenary. That's the thing. Like, with Morris, he, he is playing above his role and is therefore, like, we're exacerbating the worst tendencies about him. But, like, you can clearly scale down his role and he'll be fine as, like, a spot-up guy who attacks closeouts, right? Like, you know Morris can play that role and, like, defend and be a good player. There's no real doubt about that. It's not that concerning. Like, he's not... Like I don't think I don't think Morris is playing like a mercenary. I think he's just playing like somebody that's way above his station and just being asked to do too much. Like Randall to me is just playing like a fucking mercenary, which makes no sense because he's the only one of these guys that has like a multi-year deal. Um, well, he yeah, doesn't. Just, like we know that Randall's an elite role man, but that's not the shit. Like this is gonna sound stupid, but like that's not the shit that's fun or cool. Right? No, it's true. It's exactly that. Especially right. if you're the number one option. Nobody's in 2019 is the number one option scoring 25 off fucking rolls like 2008 Dwight Howard. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> you're doing it with face up buckets and and off the dribble work and yeah. shit like that. <laughs> yeah, why don't we why don't we end on that note because I'm definitely. I thought you were going to say on a on a positive. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely not. Definitely not a positive note, Julius. As much of a Julius Randall truther as I am, it's definitely not a positive note with him because he just hasn't been good this year at all. Did you so, just die a little bit inside saying that, like having to admit that he's not been good this year? Um. Yeah, a little bit. It was. Um. 
it was rough saying oh, it, but oh, I had to say it. One last thing. One okay, last you, thing. Last thing. Uh, hold on. Take, take us home. Take us home. I've got to find the tweet. Um... Okay. Since this is from our good friend Clarence Gaines. <laughs> these are two these are two Clarence. <laughs> these are these are two back to back tweets. So the first tweet is somebody asked him. Somebody called at to the left. Uh how do you think a supersized backcourt of Frank Nilakina and RJ Barrett would fare? Uh I don't know what this was even a question to. Oh, this was about Clarence earlier um, tweeting about how he loved how Clyde said that him and Earl used to just punish smaller guards in the post. It's like, I mean, we know that those motherfuckers aren't allowed in the post. Um, <laughs> anyway, so this is what, so to that question, how do you think they would fare? This is what Clarence said. I like RJ as a small forward. Like me, like I have been saying, I like RJ as a small forward. He has trouble matching up against a strong, quick guard like Colin Sexton on defense, and I'd yep. rather see him initiate and handle on top of the floor versus forwards. <laughs> in, this is in quotes. <laughs> Young bull, end quote, able to get into him and thwart his penetration. Accurate. Clarence Gaines seen the game. And this is his next week. Since Fizz likes to experiment with starting lineups, I propose starting Frank and Dot at guard spots, RJ or Morris at small forward, Randall is power forward, and Mitch at the five. I don't expect it will happen, but everyone is in their natural positions. Like the unit defensively to start off a game. It's like, yes. He's not, he's not, he's not wrong. This is what we've been saying. I have been saying this shit, man. Whatever you want to call Like, RJ is a three, bro. He's a three. The big he's boy. a three. Yeah, he's a switchable three. It's it's the the simplest thing is if you want to have the de facto starting lineup be Frank, RJ, Morris, Randall, Mitch. Like I'm fine with that. Just take Randall or Morris out early, and then you know spread them out, match them up, and then just move RJ to a three. Like it's it's actually very simple. It's the easiest solution, and Fizz won't do it. It's it's, it's down to that. He just won't do it, and it's right there. He also won't ever play um, Knox at the four. Which is kind of annoying because, like, you're allowed to, like, give Bobby Portis, like, a 10-minute game instead of a 25-minute game and then just, like... Or a zero-minute game. Or a zero-minute game if we're getting crazy. <laughs> and you can just throw, like, he he's so... It's so weird how he's so quick to supersize and slow... Like, we haven't really seen Julius at the five that much. We, we did today. Not, we did today when we made our like, little bullshit third-quarter run. That's when we all of a sudden looked like right. a competent team. And then, right. and then what did he do? Even when he came back with them in the in the fourth quarter, he didn't go to that lineup again. He still had fucking Portis's ass out there. And I'm like, yeah, why? Like, the the craziest is like we don't even have a log jam in the front court right now. So it's not like I'm understanding of him being like, oh, I gotta like find a way to like, you know, you got four fucking front court guys right now. You got Portis, you have Taj, you have Randall, and you have Morris. And the thing that kill, the thing that kills me is is if we were to go to a speed lineup with meets out, it literally checks all of his alleged boxes, right? Like on the one hand, you don't lose anything because we don't have rim protection, no matter who's playing the five. So you have Julius at the five, you put Knox or Keith, whoever, or not Mark Keith, Marcus at the four, RJ, and now all of a sudden Frank dot RJ. That's three passers 
in a full four if you include Julius. I'm not in four and a half if you I include. I to re- include Julius in that. I am. Right. Julius Randle's a good passer. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll we'll call him a half, and we'll call Mar- Marcus half a passer. So that's like four passes plus or minus a passer, which is more than any other lineup, and it's faster, so you can play up tempo like you want to. And you're switching. You can actually like do switch stuff, and it's fine. And you can switch stuff exactly because Dot and Frank both play above their height and weight. So like. It, this this is what like if like we can debate about whether it's useful to really take fizz at face value for anything he says or only like ten percent of the time or half the time. I think it's mostly he just is like a random quote generator. But like <laughs> if, if he wasn't, then he would do exactly what we're talking about. It's not fucking revolutionary. Well, it clearly is to him because he refuses to do any of this, and it's just so obvious. Like, I don't even care what, what he can. He rolls out love at, at the fucking center all the time. And he's, Mitch, like, the most ground-bound dude. Mitch being out is, like, the perfect excuse for him to do this shit. That's exactly. the thing. Like, if Mitch wasn't – if Mitch is healthy, then I understand, like, he just has to, like – that the priority is developing Mitch, right? So I understand, like, you kind of have to sacrifice. Mitch is out, so it's like, and you're gonna suck with rim, rim protection is out of the question. So just like play Julius there, and like the thing is, Julius is so much better there because you can just be like, I, right, you know, Julius, you just switch everything, all right? Like that's it. You don't have to like, don't, don't worry about any any rules. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> just switch everything. Just switch every screen you come across. Switch, okay? That's it. That's the only rule we have for you. And he'll be like, and he can do that. I think like. He's been better at the five every year of his career or in terms of, like, net rating or whatever. Um, it's like, so he can do that. So that's why... He's great, I mean, he's great at hitting mismatches like that, and he's always going to be a five mismatch unless another team has, like, Giannis at the five or some shit. And, like, the thing that's... I So this is where a lot of people have been, like, saying, like, I hate how much we switch, I hate how much we switch. And, like, I actually think we should be switching... Like, the only... I think we should be switching a ton... And I just think we need to, like, have some basic, basic rules within, like, within that. Like, I think Frank should have the option to not switch. I think, I don't, I don't even think you need to give Frank rules. You should just be like, Frank, just do, like... Yeah, Frank stuff. Yeah, like, do whatever you, Like, everyone, you should just have to listen to what Frank thinks he should be doing. Because, <laughs> like, he was making... Today I saw him make a rotation where he covered, like, three different guys. Because, like, two of our bigs had no idea what the fuck's going on. Um... So, like, yeah, I think there should be a rule where, like, Frank can chase guys over screens if he wants. He'll just have to call that out ahead of time. Um, and, like, maybe there's a rule where, like, if the if you're running, if the, you get put in a pick and roll with Mitch, you don't switch. You, like, fight over and have him play drop coverage or something like that. And, like, like, we don't need to have, like, advanced rules. I think we just need, like, a couple of really basic tweaks. But, like, the idea of us being a switch-heavy team makes a ton of sense. For given sure. our personnel. And, sure. like, I don't, I, I just, like, with Mitch out, it should just, it should actually be more extreme. It should just be, like, it should be, that's actually the time to be, like, Frank, like, no no special treatment for you, like, you just switch everything, too. Just switch everything. Like, I don't, what, what's the worst going to happen? You're going to get burned on a mismatch? Shit was happening, we were giving up a mismatch to start it. You're like, yeah, RJ, pretend like you can guard Colin Sexton. Hi, bro. <laughs> I'm like this thick ass fucking like barrel chested linebacker looking dude, and you want me chasing around Colin Sexton jitterbugs jitterbug ass like around screens and shit? Fuck that. 
Yeah, just... Colin literally has one like plus thing, and it's exactly that. It's just like first step jitterbug stuff. Yeah, but he... they put RJ Barrett on him for the whole game. <laughs> it was that entire first. It literally took until like the last possession of the first half or something for him to even think about putting Frank on him. And then of course, like of course, Colin made this like stupid like step back three on him. But it was that's what it was a stupid step back three. And then in the in the second in the second half, I believe he scored like eight points in the second quarter, and one of them was just like Frank almost got a steal and almost blocked his three, and he just like happened to swish it or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly and, what happened. Yeah, but it was like, and then but like again, like the, the Knicks ended up going down thirty, but like this is my this is my thing is like I don't think they went down thirty because they were like not trying. They just like the Cavs just came out in that second half like hot, and then we were the opposite, because we were trying to post up Marcus Morris, but like, oh, again, once they played more, like, what, we cut it down to 13 at one point, I think, uh, before Frank and Julius went to the bench before the end of the third, so, yeah, I mean, basically just just switch everything, if Julius, like, right now, until Mitch is, go- Mitch is back, we should lean real heavy into, like, small ball stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, the podcast we just had, we had a really hot start. And then we kind of fizzled our way to the. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Fizzled our way to this ending. A nice segue. It's a great segue because I'm a professional broadcaster, um, a professional media member, as yeah. uh, as Wack Delusio would say. We are. Um, Prez, what do you want to plug? Oh boy. Um, plug. We have a lot of good articles on deck. Uh, I know one article that is very topically relevant to this podcast is a beautiful piece by Alex Wolf about assistant coach Mike Miller and how he's been and what he's done and why he might be the right guy to replace Fizz. So, so you're plugging something that hasn't been out yet? Oh, it, I think it went up like while it said, oh, it went up. What the fuck? Oh, this is a link to an old article. I thought this was a new article. Well, I'm plugging the article from 2018, I guess. Oh, God damn it, Prez. All right. Schwinn, what are you plugging? Uh, I think I'm officially at, at the point where I think we should probably fire Fizdale. I don't think he can turn it around. I don't think he has the... He, I he I just don't believe him to like identify the actual issues, and then even if he does, I think he would blame them on something else and make the entire wrong like adjustment to it. So I am. I'm gonna, fire Fisdale. Yeah, I'm officially moving to fire Fisdale status, uh, based on what I've seen the last ten games and entire season prior to that. I'm just I don't think he's like I actually still tend to believe he's probably good at individual skill development. Um, I just think he has no clue of, like, he gets so focused on that that he can't understand, like, how to build and develop a team, as, which is basically your job as the head coach. He's he's an assistant coach at heart. He loves that stuff. He loves that working with individual players bullshit that assistant coaches do and, like, forming those individual bonds. Um, so... I don't know. Maybe he'll get it one day. I just don't think that it's going to be now in New York. So, yeah. Um, I'm ready for Mike Miller to get some extended burn as an interim head coach and then uh, revisit the discussion at the end of the season. You're not ready for to be smart. 
No, no. Keith's not got to go, man. He got to go. I, I am going to plug this show I came across on Netflix called Conspiracies. And it's just like 13, 14 episodes of like this British produced thing and talking about like conspiracies of all different types. There was one episode where they talked about uh, Hitler living in an underground bunker in Antarctica. There was some guy talking about how aliens gave um, NASA the necessary technology to land on the moon. It's been wonderful to watch these insane people talk about insane theories that make absolutely no sense. So if you want a good, like, unintentional laugh... Smoke more watch... weed, bro. Who, me? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got fucked up on uh, some edibles last night, so... Nice. Good good for you. It was uh it was wonderful. And I'll be doing that probably soon. So we're gonna end on that <laughs> we're gonna end on that note. Conspiracy theories. So uh good night guys.